When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome into Poke the Bear episode 69. Connor, today is the 69th episode of poke the bear nice 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 heaven that's it just nice there's no bruin who's ever worn number 69 wonder not why one. not at one i'm surprised no one has i mean come on someone along the line along the way had to be like you know it'd be really funny if i was number 69 i feel like the equipment like the equipment staff is like no we're not doing this you have no. to wait until like twenty, you know, like twenty thirty seven, when like more numbers are being taken and more numbers are retired. They're gonna do that. So only rookie that should be a, kind of like a thing. Like only rookies get like yes. sixty nine. You know, it's like a big rookie number that you like. Gotta gotta skate out there first lap around, and you gotta be number sixty nine. So uh, yes, I was I was sixty six for football, which is close. Ooh, I didn't know you played football. Yeah, unfortunately, not that. Good. What position were you? I was a uh, lineman. And considering, as you see me in person, I'm not that large, was an indictment on my abilities. So, wait, w- in high school? Yes. Oh wow, I didn't know that. I, I was hurt quite a bit through all of it. I was very <laughs> fragile. I was on. I, they could have LTIR'd me, but they would have brought me back for the playoffs, and it would have made no difference. <laughs> like, oh, he's back. Oh, okay. All, all right. right so, no, no Nikita Kucherov situation. No, far from it. Interesting though. That's funny. I, I never, I never knew that. But a lot of people say, you know, I have, I've seen you in person. To most people, we are the same person. So I guess maybe we're putting on an act like this. So, you know, it's a quite an impressive like display of CGI if we've been able to pull it off for this long. So if even if that was the case, people should be more impressed than anything that we've managed to pull it off. It's like the prestige that movie before. (laughs) Like it's more impressive than anything at this point. Pretty lame thing to pull off. We put all our prodigious efforts yeah, into exactly. CGIing two Bruins reporter. Oh, look, they're the same person. But anyways, real things to talk about today. Um, number one on the list, Tukarask spotted back at Warrior. He's back, guys. He's back. Not technically, but, I mean, he's there skating. And what I would say to most people is, why are you surprised? Know what? You should not be surprised to see Tukarask at warrior right now that is not surprising at all what will be surprising is whatever decision they make two months from now yeah it's it's kind of like this was inevitable i think maybe it's caught people off guard the fact that you know the discourse is starting in november it's like when people gear up for like the holiday season and all of a sudden the christmas ads drop like november 1st you're like oh oh jesus like it's right (laughs) around the corner i feel like it's like that like people thought 
Rask, like, you know, Discord is going to pick up in, like, December, what have you. No, it's right here. I mean, he's already back on the ice. He's already practicing. Um, and it's a very real scenario the Bruins are going to have to face within the next, I mean, is it going to be a couple of weeks? Like, is it going to be, like, two months from now? Like, I have to imagine that it's not like you're going to wait till he's fully healthy and then, and then assess from there. You have to see how, you know, kind of monitor his situation and what comes of it. Um, and we'll see. Like, it, it's tough to make any sweeping declarations about, you know, both Swain and Olmark at this point. I think they've both been all right, solid, like, you know, a uh, few issues, like, throughout all these games still. Like, I don't think, like, you're – I don't think Omar's the guy you hold responsible for like that game against the Maple Leafs on Saturday, but still you'd like to see more consistent, you know, stretch for both those guys. We want them each to get on a roll, right? Like it's, it's so tough to kind of gauge those two goalies over the span of what's been just 10 games, not only because of the stop and go schedule, but you know, it really hasn't felt like there's been like a set groove yet for the team. Like there's, you get, you know, Look at Swimming, for example. You got a bad game against Philly, really bounces back, but, you know, had, had a few tough goals against, um, you know, on Tuesday. So it's tough to kind of build any rhythm out of, you know, what you're seeing from those guys. So uh, it's tough to make like a, a statement yet on like whether or not they desperately need Rask. But again, we get to the point where we're a few weeks out from his potential return. Uh, and they've got a, the Bruins have a decision to make. Like, is it worth adding another guy into the mix. You know, it's not like I don't think they're going to be sending Swayman down. Uh, and you're not going to, you know, I think people have mentioned, oh, could they move Olmark? But he's got a no movement clause, right? Like it's, and it's also just the optics of that are very bad, right? Like if you're like, all right, we're signed. You're like, welcome. Aboard. All right, Braz is back. You're gone. Like, <laughs> have, fun you know, in, uh, have fun in Arizona for, uh, you know, some defenseman. Right, exactly. So uh, it's still like a tough, you know, you try to read the tea leaves. You try to like sort out what the, the game plan is going to be. So have to really map it out yet. Like not only from the fact that it's a complicated situation in its own right, but also it's tough to really have a full like gr- like what would you grade like the goalie so far? Because I feel like you know it's tough to like make any early opinions about these guys when they haven't really set- settled into a groove yet. B minuses. That's what it's been. I mean, it's been average, and it's not. And so here's one thing I think we both said this over the off season when talking about this because again we kept saying the same thing. You don't know until we get there. What the worst case scenario was that they're both average, right? That was the thing. And here I have the numbers in front of them. Both have five games played. They're both three and two. Uh, Swayman's save percentage is 906. Olmark's is 918. Goals against average, Swayman, 222, 259 for Olmark. So it's one versus one, you know, not too far off. Goals saved above average for uh, Swayman is uh, minus 0.8. Olmark is plus 0.8. So there's no clear cut guy. Yeah. I think Olmark's gotten more shots and Swayman has stopped or has let in less goals. That's what it's been. And there's, I mean, I don't, there's no clear cut favorite out of that. There hasn't been. I mean, they've been, they've split time completely evenly. So to me, it's been average and the numbers are both average. So there's no easy decision. That's why that's what makes this so hard. Um, so I, it's, I don't know, like you sending Swayman down is tough for the confidence. I mean, that's not good. And he hasn't, I mean, if, if Rask wasn't in the picture, I think we would be sitting here going, your goaltending situation is fine. It's good. You know, not great, but good. Yeah. You know, there's there's far more pressing problems. issues. There's way more pressing issues, you know, and we've talked about it at length defense. So 
And also to think that these guys are doing this behind this defense is also pretty good. So I don't know. Uh, to me, it's been average. I think Rask helps, but I just don't know what you do. Yeah. How do you make I, it all fit? I think it, I think if it is going to work and like that, say they go that route, it's going to be incumbent, I think, on Rask to kind of map out those parameters. Because like, I feel like Rask is also the guy that he wants to come back. He stated multiple times he wants to be with the Bruins. I don't see him being a guy who like – comes back and kicks the door and like, this is my spot again. Like I it's literally like Jay feel, Leno. I, I, it's like Jay Leno with the tonight show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I literally, I feel just the way like Rask is wired. Like even if like he, he just signed it just to be like a mentor or like, just like if they didn't have to go to him in a game, I think he'd be like totally fine with that. of just being along for the ride with his teammates again. Like, I feel like that's just the way he's wired. Like, again, I think he would love to play. And like, if he plays well, He's your number one goalie, which is a good problem to have if he's pushing the rest of these guys. But I also feel like he's not this guy who's, you know, ready to reclaim his throne at the number one spot in the goaltending depth chart if he comes back. Like, I think it's – he's aware it would be a fluid situation. The Bruins are aware of it. It's all about whether or not they just want to add that, you know, I don't know if headache's the right word, but, it, you know, add a complicated situation to such a pivotal spot on your team and the goaltending position. I think he likes Boston. I think he likes being with his teammates. I think he enjoys the whole thing. So why, yeah, in his mind, it's like, why not just come back, play a certain amount of games? If they start me in the playoffs, they start me. If they don't, they don't. And that's that. And walk away with two million, three million. But it also, I mean, remember this summer sounded like this was not a one season thing. He plans on signing for more than a year. Yes. So that's the other thing is like, they don't even know what the deal is with him now. But if he still wants to play, that's why, I mean, it would have made the most sense. I mean, if you didn't know Rask said what he said this summer and you didn't know Rask's position, you just looked at the situation from all other angles, you would say, well, Rask just moved on. Yeah. He either went back to Finland or he's playing in different parts of the league. Like, you know, he's with a new team, but he's sticking around. So I guess why not use it? Of course, some fans are like, oh, oh, there's no need. Get get him out of here. We wanted him gone when he initially we thought he left. So now is bringing all of that back into the fray, which is always fun for the, the dumb Stefaya that is it, the, the Twitter it, it only, yeah, it only took us a few weeks to get right back to it. I feel, <laughs> it feels like an old friend stumbling back yes. into the bot, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, he's back. Oh, there he is. He's so wacky. Yeah. Um, makes it feel like home again, you know? I, I missed it a bit. Won't miss it. Uh, in yeah, give us so. a few more weeks. Yeah. Uh, anyways, speaking of, uh, underperformers, <laughs> Taylor Hall. Taylor Hall has not had the start he's wanted to, uh, this season. And feels like it hit a new, I don't want to say low, low sounds bad, but I guess a new low for him on uh, Tuesday night against the Senators when Jake DeBrusque was moved up with Charlie Coyle and Craig Smith and played at the end of the game with them. Taylor Hall was pretty much benched um, in those last final six or seven minutes. Cassie says after the game, that's how it goes. He's got to learn how to play winning hockey. Too many turnovers. He obviously had that turnover on that first goal. How's a guy like Hall rebound from this? Yeah, I think uh, Hall, from what we've seen from him so far, has been refreshingly candid. I think when he when he's spoken to us about you know his previous struggles and what have you, and I think Cassidy mentioned ahead of the game up in Toronto that Hall, you know, may, maybe isn't the loudest guy, but he's very self-critical. He's always kind of hard on, on himself, and they kind of view that as a thing that he has to work on, is to you know acknowledge that it was a bad game and move forward from it. Um, so I'm sure it's tough. You know, you, you get pretty much benched over the last nine minutes of that game, uh, rough game for him. Still got an assist on Derek Fulbert's, uh, far side goal, which Derek Fulbert, 
you know, leading the, the run for the, the Art Ross is not what I expected, but, um, but I think for Hall, it's all about just kind of building, you know, putting this one in the rearview mirror and bouncing back. Like, it's not like it's been all bad for him. And there's other circumstances at play, whether it's, you know, on the power play, he's in a completely new role, which he looked pretty good at it on uh, Saturday where he tipped that Bergeron shot past, uh, um, past Campbell. Uh, he still had a little bit of a lack of cohesion on that line. Like there's been good spurts with Coyle in the middle. Other times it really hasn't worked out. Craig Smith's got zero points in seven games. You feel like, you know, maybe he's still fighting something that he injured early on in this year. And if he was playing at his capabilities, especially as a shot first guy in that line, you'd think that maybe would be more production. So other factors are playing into it. Um, Again, not not the ideal start, not what you want to see, especially for a guy like Hall, who, as much as he's known for being a playmaker and transition, um, you know, I think one thing that surprised a lot of Bruins fans was his defensive abilities last year and his overall attention to detail. And again, it's hockey's a game of mistakes. You have, I'm sure, even the best of the best players look over the span of 82 games and have many games, many shifts they want to, you know, put in the rearview mirror. It's all about for uh, all about for Hall, just how he builds off of it and moves forward. Cause it's not like all of a sudden now I think he's going to get benched and put in a bottom six spot. It's all about you're just bu- bouncing back from it. Like, uh, and just doing kind of the little things, you know, playing winning hockey is what Bruce Cassidy mentioned after the game on Tuesday. And it's just about that, like attention to detail. You can't be sending a, a feed, you know, right onto Brady Kachuk's stick. Like you did in that, uh, start of that game. Um, and especially, you know, moving forward, I mean, you're playing, Connor McDavid and the Oilers on Thursday. Like, if you, you know, any miscues like that, they're going to bury you in a hurry. So uh, better to learn that lesson now, especially in a, a game against Ottawa in November than later on in the season or against a, a team that can pile on points in a hurry. Oh, yeah. No, and I don't think it's all, you know, code red with, with a guy like Taylor Hall. But as you said, like, at some point, those turnovers kind of have to go. You can't keep doing that stuff but it's so funny to me with that second line because I, I I thought they played fairly well this year I mean they have a lot of good shifts um, obviously Smith hasn't been there for the whole time because of injury but um, you know they had some solid shifts that led to the Forbert goal that was you know a good shift out of them but it's so funny to me because with the way Hall is playing he still has four or five on five points but with the way he's been playing alongside Smith who has zero points a person would say damn Charlie Coyle must not be doing anything and the reality is Coyle's been kind of the heartbeat of that line. And it's funny to see because we thought, you know, it's only 10 games, but we thought, oh, you know, it's going to be Taylor Hall driving that line. And it still could be. But Coyle's been kind of the guy for that line thus far. And I think that's been a really interesting uh, sort of development. You know, that's something good for him because, you know, we had our questions about him. Is he still your long-term second-line center? I don't know. It's only been 10 games, really. But from what we've seen, he's been good. And that's all you need if you're the Bruins. You don't need... As we've said a billion times, you don't need a 70 point guy in that spot. You just need someone consistent. And that's where Coyle's been. So, um, I expect that second line to turn around. I expect, um, things to sort of come to fruition for them, especially for a guy like Taylor Hall. He's too good not to come out of it, you know, and he's still putting up points. So at some point, uh, hopefully those defensive miscues go away. High expectations are running throughout the Bruins. And next up on the list for high expectations is Nick Felino. 
Nick Foligno is coming back. He will be back in the lineup on Thursday against the Oilers. How fun is that? You come back, you face Connor McDavid. That's a yeah, nice little... it's not not the easiest way to kind of wade back into the uh, you know shaking the rust off and getting caught up to speed against a guy like uh, McDavid, who, as we said, <laughs> make you look really dumb really quick and multiple times during a game. And Cassidy even said, I think it was Tuesday, uh, said like, what, ha- what would what would happen if the Bruins, if, if you guys came up a goal like, like the one McDavid scored against the Rangers a few or you know a week ago, and he's like nothing, like just uh, they know, <laughs> they yeah, know that can't happen. And, and, and Cassidy and Cassidy kind of mentioned it again on Wednesday about like, all right, like let's say that you know he scores a goal against you guys, like in you know video review the next day. Is there any like lesson you give to those guys? And he's like, no, you just tip your cap. Like, what do you what are you supposed to do there? Like, I mean, that's not just how good he is. So, yeah, not I, not the best way to have Foligno get back in the lineup. My favorite thing about the whole McDavid goal was the people on Twitter being like, ah, oh, that's not that impressive. That, you know, they were, they were about to get off the ice. You know, it's it's like, no, 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 no. You should have seen me play up in Burlington High back I would have put my I would have put my stick between his skates and my shoulder in his chest, and he would have been on his ass. And it's mm. like, no, it just okay. isn't that easy. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> like, it's so it, it is wild to me with McDavid. It, we can do this now. It's one of those things where like people like you know shit talk Brian Scalabrini, thinking he's like a scrub. And yes. it's like he's still a, it a pro NBA player, and it's not even like that because like this is like saying that to like LeBron James or someone like that. Like like Connor McDavid is far and away the best player in the league. Like just, you <laughs> don't have close. to. You don't have to, yeah. You don't have to like pitch this battle how you would defend Connor McDavid. Just take the L as many pro athletes have done going up against him for years now my favorite's like oh brian scalabrini i could i could kick his ass at the y and it's like no you couldn't now how i know this brian scalabrini fun fact kick your ass uh, at the y i would that'd be hilarious um i anyone could kick my ass at basketball i go like i'll play with my friends that like you know street ball like a field near us and i just get killed like i just i'm not meant for basketball that's okay uh but i believe I, i don't know if he still does but for a while brian scalabrini was at the lifetime in Framingham and he used to play in like a league there and dominate. <laughs> it was, it was like, wasn't even close. Obviously he was in the NBA. Um, but it's funny though, McDavid, like how much better he is than everybody. Like it's not even close. There's nobody like him. Nobody. It honestly is like Gretzky in the eighties. It's like Bobby Orr in the seventies, which speaking of things, people always say, Oh, Oh, Bobby Orr or like the, you know, Gretzky, those guys played against scrubs. And it's like, no, no, actually, that's not fully the case. Nah, they're pretty. Uh, they're pretty. They're pretty damn good. <laughs> they were pretty damn good. Um, but McDavid is just obviously on a different level, different planet. Probably the greatest player ever, skill wise, at least. I mean, points wise, he won't beat Gretzky's point record. But Don Lassison was writing. I read this this morning um, that McDavid projects to go if everything goes right. You know, games, no injuries, points stay, stay the same. He's on pace to break two thousand points, which is nuts that is pretty damn wild and i swear if he's not in the like and people always say and, I, and i'm kind of rambling here but it's always annoying people are like oh but he has no cups and it's like isn't he 24 yeah like also have you seen the team they've like saddled around him <laughs> like yes like, they're nine and two and a lot of it <laughs> is because of legit like two or three guys so <laughs> like it's it's so funny to me how people like try to make those excuses but back to nick felino after Connor McDavid in the league, then there's Nick Foligno. That's how it works. Um, he's back. And he, Cassidy even mentioned with Felino after uh, Tuesday's game that Felino's a guy who 
when it comes to those full 60s, those fun full 60-minute games, Felino's a big energy guy. You think he does that? Yeah, and, you know, Cassie kind of expanded on it on a Wednesday, too, talking about how much they really value him. It makes you think that I wonder if Cassidy had any influence at all about uh, wanting to sign him in the off season because he talked about just his impact. He just off- loves candy corn. That, that just, might be it. That might be the real, with. yeah, the crux of it. But um, he talked quite a bit about, you know, Felino, his impact in the room already, especially in a room that already has been entrenched by multiple veteran guys who've been here for a long time. But um, especially on the ice, you know, the, the passion he brings. Uh, again, he may not be a guy, especially now at this stage of his career, that he's going to fill up the stat sheet. But, you know, it's one of those, you know, guys whose impact uh, you can't really measure. And, you know, there's no uh, passion per 60 or, you know, or anything like <laughs> grit that. Per 60. Yeah, grit, yeah, you can't do those. <laughs> but I think it does have a sizable impact. I mean, even look at, like, how much a uh, – the Bruins play. I don't know. I, I forgot what the final record was, but they had a crazy record when Kevin Miller played. Like sometimes just having these kind of guys that uh, provide a shot in the arm that are very vocal um, can make a big difference. I think you saw that, uh, you know, when the temperature kind of rose in that game against the uh, on Tuesday, like that was one where the Bruins kind of responded. And it was good to see. And Cassidy thinks, you know, a guy like Felino can add to that as well. And he even mentioned, you know, we'll see how the lines kind of map out uh, this morning before they announced them for against Edmonton. But Cassidy said they haven't ruled out potentially putting Felino with uh, Coyle and Hall and seeing if maybe that provides like a spark to those two guys. And, you know, he mentions, listen, these Taylor Hall and Charlie Coyle, very skilled players, but they're also not the most vocal guys out there. Adding maybe a guy like Felino to the mix is what gets them going, gets, you know, them starting to play more simplified game and, you know, the points will follow. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, the reason why they sign a guy like Nick Foligno, uh, it's not all about just the standard production, even though you hope he's able to stay healthy and, and add some scoring touch to the bottom six. But I think his value elsewhere is, uh, really appreciated. And it's not just, you know, the, I think when you sign a guy like David Backus, right, a lot of that was also you're in a, a bit of a bridge transition with that team at that point. You need more of a veteran voice. I think Foligno's just a guy that, perfectly compliments and adds that more of a spot that I think they really kind of need uh, to fuel the rest of this team. Because I think as you saw, you know, late, late in that game against Ottawa, when things started to get picking up, you saw more guys, you know, maybe not buying in is the right word, but more guys kind of pulling on the same rope, which was what you, what you need over a full 60 minute effort. Yeah. And Felino is a guy that helps with that. And that's the, I think that's why he's so valuable to this lineup. The Kevin Miller comparison is a good one. Cause that is kind of a similar, I think, Nick Felino does more for you than Kevin Miller did for you, at least on the ice. But Miller brought that same kind of impact. They loved playing for Kevin Miller. That was like a big thing for them. So could be the same thing for Felino. Um, fourth line player, Trent Frederick, uh, injured. He got hurt. He got his bell rung. That was a yeah. big hit. That was a massive hit. Um, Not a, a great feed from uh, McAvoy, too. No, that was, a, that was a hospital pass. That yeah. was a good old buddy pass. Um, but... Anyways, he is out upper body injury. What was uh, Cassidy's? Uh, did Cassidy go into specifics on it Wednesday morning? Uh, just that he's already been ruled out for for Thursday, which far from uh, surprise when you look at just the uh, yeah the way that played out. I mean, it was woozy just as soon as he got off the ice. Um, which is a tough break for Frederick too, because I honestly thought that the fourth line and him especially were pretty effective in that game over the limited time together. And again, we've talked about it before with Frederick. It's not all about uh, you know, punching Brady Kachuk in the face or something like that. Like he had that, you know, I think he, I think he dropped, uh, 
Banstrom, I want to say, in the corner. He had a good physical hit there. Was getting, you know, when stuff was after the whistle was mixing it up a little bit, was, you know, hovering around the front of the net where Murray was. And I think when you've got other guys like there, like Lazar, who I think, uh, I think Lazar's been one of the more pleasant surprises so far this year. I think he was good on the third line and he was really, really good moving his feet, being effective on the fourth line as well. That, um, you know, if Frederick can play complementary hockey to what guys like Lazar and Nosek can bring and just be physical, uh, you know, not punch a dude in the face, but, you know, mix it up after, after the play and irritate the opponent, that's going to be the keys to him, you know, not only settling into role, but, you know, hopefully building off of it going forward. So, uh, really tough break for him in that, uh, he's going to be out for Thursday and we'll see how long it is moving forward, but, um, Still, I think some positives you can draw from that fourth line uh, with whether it be Lazar or Nosek. I think those guys seem to be settling in pretty well. It's all about now kind of whether it's looking at a guy like Anton Bleed, who might be the first guy up, or Oscar Steen, who Oscar uh, has, been killing it. he's been crushing it down in Providence. Cassidy more or less mentioned, I think that I imagine it'll be Bleed gets the first look there just because it's a easy switcheroo. Uh, he's healthy now, physical. Um, you know what you get from Anton Bleed at the very least, so we'll see going forward what the next step is. But uh, tough break for Frederick, though, because I really thought he put together a pretty strong effort before he went down. Yeah, it's funny. In that game against the Senators on Tuesday, in that terrible first period, I thought the fourth line was the only line that was that was doing anything that was yeah. that was that was good. So um, tough break for Frederick, but uh, we'll end on a high note. Bruce Cassidy gets to two hundred wins, only the sixth uh, coach in club history to do that. It's pretty good. 200 wins in, is this his sixth season or seventh? Sixth season. Sixth season. That's pretty good. That's pretty, pretty Pretty, good. Pretty, pretty good. good. Have you watched the new season of Curb at all or no? I have not watched the new season yet. It's great. It's good. It is. Some people are saying saying that it has similar-ish storylines to the past. I don't think that's true. I find it hilarious. I think Curb is always funny. Yes. It always takes a little while to watch it because it's so cringy with some of the situations. Uh, but no, this season's funny. I think this season might be better than the last. I don't know. I like, I enjoy this season. I think this, the storyline's pretty funny. So go watch that. Not a sponsor either. Not a sponsor. No. So, but it'd be wild. It'd be wild if Curb Enthusiast, if HBO sponsored us. <laughs> That'd be awesome. I've been code Larry uh, to get. <laughs> Um, but anyways, yes, Bruce Cassidy gets 200 wins, uh, just keeps on going. I remember once he said, uh, you know, someone, cause there was a, when he, well, it's even still now, but I remember at the beginning, those first couple of years, everything, every lineup move he made worked, not everyone, but they, the players responded really well to different lineup moves. I remember someone asked, you know, how do you get them to do that? He was like, well, you know, you, you know, a new coach, all this stuff, but I know that when they stop responding to me, I won't be the coach here anymore. <laughs> I was well, that's a valid point. That's a very valid point. So kudos to him for 200 wins. Uh, Connor, before we go, what can the people look forward to over at Boston Sports Journal? Yeah, we have a few uh, fun features dropping pretty soon. I think by time this drops, we'll have uh, one on Jake DeBrus talking about a unique uh, warm-up tradition that has been brewing this year with him and a few fans. So that one uh, was fun to talk to Jake about. Um, obviously post McDavid, we'll look at how the Bruins, uh, handled him, uh, whether it was Ooh, good or bad. <laughs> yeah. There'll be plenty of takes regardless of, you know, if it could be positive or negative, how that game, uh, pans out. You have Olmark and net for that one. Uh, so we'll have all the breakdowns of that after the Oilers game over at BSJ. So subscribe over at Boston sports Want to follow me on Twitter. Do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93. 
go do all that. That's Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. You poke the bear listeners. Have a great rest of your day. (laughs) 